I'd like to welcome everybody to today's uh, MediaWorks Masterclass. I couldn't believe it when I actually saw this was number 148 of our masterclasses that we've delivered um, over the last few years. So that's really exciting. Um, and I think today we've got a bit of a different type of session, um, to be honest. Um, we've decided that given all the questions that we got around TikTok um, in the previous sessions that we've delivered, I think three weeks ago we delivered a session on sort of strategic execution, where it sits, profiling, audiences, etc. The following week after that, we looked at sort of content, how to create great content from an organic and a paid perspective. Um, we got that many questions that we couldn't get around to them all. So in essence, what we've done today is we've decided to, to break the session up in, uh, in essence, five key areas, content, app functions, business, uh, first personal account, sound and audio, and a group called Others, which is quite a nice catch-all. Um, what I do want the session today to be is, is quite conversational. Um, we're going to have just open conversation about our views on, on certain aspects. So what I do want to see is just because we've sort of grouped together previous questions, don't hesitate to ask questions. We'll try and address those. I'll try and, and, and filter those as we go. Um, so, yeah, we've got a different style of session. We're hoping for lots of interaction and, and hopefully we can answer lots of the questions that we didn't get around to previously. So where to start then? I guess my name's David Norris. I'm the Group Operations Director here at MediaWorks but I'll also be hosting uh, this panel discussion today. Jessica, come to you next. Hi, I'm Jess. Um, I'm junior content producer at MediaWorks Leads. Becca? Hiya, I'm head of strategic planning um, at MediaWorks. So my team look after a lot of the insight and strategy and recommendations, but I also look after social as well. So very involved in the world of TikTok. Perfect. And then definitely not last, uh, well, last, but definitely not least, uh, Alfie. Yeah, but hi, everybody. Uh, my name's Alfie, and I'm a senior paid social and video executive at MediaWorks in Newcastle. Cool. So I guess, like, um, as I say, we've got loads of questions. Like, keep firing them in. I can already see one that's came, <laughs> one that's came in. I'll process that as we're answering the first question, see where we can, where we can get to that one. Um, as stated, we, you know, we've had a massive response to TikTok. We know it's something that lots of people are considering, lots of people are utilising as a platform. So hopefully today we're going to be able to answer quite a lot of, of those detailed questions that came in. So without further ado, um, I'm going to come to uh, you, Becca, just as a heads mm -hmm. up. And it's going to focus on content, this, this first question. So one yeah. of the things that we, we got asked was, is there a benefit to using a hashtag, a hashtag, sorry, mm. over using a word in the caption or text overlay? Yeah, um, I think it's uh, what a lot of people really talking about on TikTok. And I guess um, probably even taking a step back, it's what's quite exciting about TikTok, that they've managed to nail search a lot better than any of the other social platforms. So it's a really big focus um, for a lot of companies and brands on um, TikTok from an organic point of view. And when we're getting kind of, I guess, very tactical and thinking about, you know, what is going to drive um, those search, like you kind of mentioned, David, there's a few different ways you could do that. You could do it with things like hashtags, a word in the caption, um, text overlays. And I think 
really what we'd suggest doing is making sure you're using a combination of things because really what you're trying to do is give TikTok as much insight and as much information as you can about how to categorize that content. Um, so I don't see any kind of problem with using all three, you know, as long as it's natural, you're not, um, you know, you're not making it sound really awkward or jarring. And I think what I would say as well is that it's, um, you know, absolutely paramount that if you do have someone speaking in a video as well, you do have those overlays and captions, not just from a kind of search and um, optimization point of view, but also from an accessibility point of view as well, making sure that people um, can consume your content. Cool. So I guess like a follow-on question from that that we mm. got um, around like, and I think this is something that people often ask is around like, do hashtags have more weight in search algorithms? You know what? I've not heard anything that suggests it does. I don't know if Jess and Alfie, you kind of have heard anything about the weighting of hashtags. But as far as I um, know from what I've read and what we've seen, um, not particularly. Um, it might be something that people want to test, but I don't know if you guys have a view on it as well. Um, so something when I was doing a little bit of research on this, I'd found the um, hashtags, if you're kind of participating in hashtag challenges or trending hashtags, that's going to help your content show up on people's feed who might be interested in that topic. Whereas um, using keywords and questions and things like that mm. are going to be better for showing up in search results. Mm. Um, so that's kind of one way that differentiates it. But yeah, um, TikTok haven't open sourced their algorithm so it's hard to say for sure okay i think your view on that yeah i think really agree with um jessica as well on that it's not particularly uh, a or b kind of answer i think the hashtags hashtags can always contribute very positively towards your content obviously there's that kind of its own search element to clicking on a hashtag and then seeing relative videos to it but i think ultimately the best time to use hashtags is if you are participating in a trend purely because of the amount of traffic and the amount of people that are interacting with that is going to be tenfold. Um, in terms of keywords, I know we had a big discussion about that um, two weeks ago, um, mm. said last week. Um, obviously, on the TikTok testing kind of uh, search terms in paid ads, et cetera. So I think mm. that's something that may start to come to light within time. Again, I know that's kind of a, sort of the ultimate end point that we came to um, the other week was, you know, we'll just have to keep an eye on that. I think they will definitely become a lot more prominent in terms of how you push your content, how people find your content. So yeah, 100% just worth keeping a balance of all, all of those um, all of those aspects, I would say. Mm. Cool. I think like um, I think it is a really like interesting idea that though, isn't it? I think we we did we touched on it a couple of weeks ago. I'm mm. conscious we skipped a week because of the bank holiday weekend. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, I think we did talk about like where the search functionality is going within TikTok. And I think it's something like we were suggesting then to keep an eye on that's currently evolving landscape. And we know we do know that it is going to be a play that TikTok are trying to make more of going forward. So I think it's going to be interesting the role of hashtags within that search functionality and how they incorporate that. I think like one of the bits that came up, um, Jess, that, that you mentioned actually, I'm recalling this now is you recommended using a phone to film content rather than other platforms or other other tools and technology. Um, one of the questions that came in is, is this the same for paid? Because some paid ads use a professional camera setup. And I think, like, I recall Alfie having a view on this. So mm -hmm. I don't know if, if, Becky, you want to come in on this first, and then mm -hmm. we, we looked at Alfie. Yeah, I think probably there's not really a... Uh, um, 
a hard rule on it, I'd say. I think what I would say is, you know, if you're on TikTok, you can definitely see that some brands are creating much more, I would say, inverted commas, professional looking ads in terms of, um, you know, they might not necessarily be shot on a phone, they might not be necessarily using editing features of TikTok. You can tell they're not necessarily native. Um, to TikTok, I think from uh, my point of view, and I don't know what you guys think, but I think, you know, when you're doing paid advertising, it's just thinking about what the objective is. Is it awareness? So follow all the rules that you would do for any kind of awareness ad. Is it lead gen? You know, if it's a lead gen ad, you want to be making sure you've got those really strong call to actions. You're, you know, telling people to where they need to go and to take action. If it's, you know, something a bit higher up like awareness, it's about making sure it's thumb stopping. You've got the brand in the first few seconds. All of those kind of rules that you would just apply anyway to any kind of digital advertising. Um, it doesn't mean um, that you shouldn't be applying them on TikTok. Um, I think for me, that's probably what's more important than whether you shoot it on a phone. But I don't know whether the other guys have a different opinion than me on that. Yeah, I think just to chime in, I think that's probably the way to look at it. I think TikTok's one of those channels where the UGC or the user generated content side of things is way more heavily promoted than any other channel. You know, organic on TikTok is king ultimately. And that I think if you don't pay attention to that as part of your paid strategy, then you will start to see a bit of a downfall. So like I've, I've probably, if people have been on the other masterclasses, you're probably getting bored of me saying this, but that UGC, PGC split and just, um, just testing really, I think, you know, professionally generated content and, and higher budget content can be more recyclable in terms of if you've got a multi-channel strategy. So let's say we're running TikTok ads for the reach side and awareness thing, uh, side of things, sorry. And then, you know, we're using Meta, Instagram and Facebook for conversion-based activity. You can recycle that content quite heavily, especially if it's professionally generated. So I think keep a kind of open mind towards the two forms of content. Um, there's no real sort of set rule, you know, like you can only use UGC for reach and awareness. I would say it's probably better for reach and awareness purely because it's a little bit more natural. Um, and then the kind of professionally generated content can tie in nicely to your different ad formats, such as dynamic collection ads. Um, I know we've seen actually, it's time to break the news. We've we had an email through recently to beta test a, um, a new format. So something that's been um, pushed quite heavily on TikTok recently. I don't know if people that use the app might have seen it quite a lot. It's the um, it's kind of like a carousel, like a static carousel ad. Mm. So static images that you can just swipe through. So we can now start running that in paid. Um, so we've got the opportunity to do that, which is which is brilliant. So you know, there's lots of formats that you can work into um, your pay strategy and organic. I just say, mm. again, keep an open mind, test different formats um, mm. and see what works best for you. I'm getting so many carousels in my feed at the moment. I think it's really interesting. Like they're definitely obviously really pushing it, aren't they? Um, they are. But I think, I, yeah, I like them. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, like I'm there. not a fan. They really disrupt my viewing because I get yeah. like a real hole of scrolling and then I'm like, oh, I've got to make effort to do yeah. this. Swipe the other way. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I just said I had a question on this, Alfie. Actually, because really conscious, we'll always talk about tech, like we we say test and learn on these these master classes on numerous occasions. Like, what would a test look like for you? Just I'm unconscious people listening in. Like, how would you make that decision? Like, you've got you know one asset type over here versus you know, and in this instance, call it user generated content. You know, is is sample A. Um, uh, professionally generated content is sample B. Like, how would we go about testing that? And what are the metrics you would be looking at to, to test which one works best? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a brilliant question. Um, so from a from a paid side of things, you know, the A-B testing and, and split testing is very much something that's 
kind of a cornerstone of what we do. So I think in terms of if it was just a, a UGC versus BGC, a purely content-based test, what I would do is I would set up two, I would either, there's two ways to go about it. So you can either set up one ad set and run a split test through TikTok. So TikTok can allow you to actually test two, you know, two formats or two types of content through the ads manager itself. Alternatively, if you don't like the way that these tests run, because sometimes there's a lack of fluidity through certain channels, you know, we, you can do the same on Meta, and sometimes those kind of variables are a little, a little bit, sorry, less controllable. So what you could alternatively do is run the same audience, so just build the exact same audience and just run a PGC ad in one and a UGC in the other, exact same budgets. Um, so that way that you've you've got a, a sort of fair test. I think based on metrics that you'd be looking at again without being too cryptic it does depend on what your goal is um i think from a reaching awareness base it's a little bit harder to measure um the thing i would be looking at the most from top of the funnel is your video watch time um you know from a paid perspective sometimes there's a misconception that reaching awareness is leading people to click through to site or click on the ad that's exactly what it's not doing all it is trying to do is get in front of as many eyeballs as possible so based on that the kind of watch time of video you can you can bracket that so percentage of audience that has watched to 25% 50% 75% and then completion so i'd i'd measure that from a from a traffic perspective it's a little bit more easy um you know click through rate so the rate of your audience members that are clicking through the ads um and engagement as well so total post engagement that can include um, comments, shares, likes, etc., and then obviously from a lower funnel perspective, kind of becomes the easiest conversions. Really, conversion rate, profitability. So you know you can play with it a bit, and you can you can ultimately find the metrics that are most important to you and your business. I know typically we we all instantly go for that ROI metric and and yeah. how cheap can we get those um those acquisitions in. But yeah, I think there's those are the, those are the two options. Sorry, um, and yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we talked a bit more about that, didn't we, in the, in the last mm-hmm. session where we talked about making sure you align your um, the metrics on which you're making those decisions based on mm-hmm. staging the funnel, what you're trying to achieve. Because like you say, I think the immediate view from certain people within organisations is ROI, like what's driving the best ROI. But if you're actually running an awareness campaign, is it ROI you're actually trying mm-hmm. to drive anyway? So it's like, and I would also think about like negligible sort of differences as well. Like unless you are seeing like quite significant variances, what I'd suggest is you probably keep running the pair of them to find out a bit more. Like don't make a decision because something's like half a percent better than something else. Like to me, that would be an inconclusive. Like and, and what I'd say there is 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 don't be scared to keep trialing that and keep running with that. Like because you might find over time that you do get that swing that you're looking for. So that would be would be my take. I think like a really practical question that came in was how do you remove the the TikTok watermark? So I know that like Jess, you you had a, a view on this when we talked previously. Yeah. So um, there are third party tools online that you can use, but um, yeah, it's. It, at your own risk. <laughs> um, yeah. However, TikTok has started um, to test a down, like being able to download content um, without the watermark natively. I know that it's out on some phones, but not all of them. So hopefully, they'll be rolling that out further soon. That's like I think that's really interesting. Like, why? I mean, I presume they're doing that because obviously Instagram said a while ago that they would be deprioritizing anything that had. 
Hmm. I mean, the subtext of it was anything that had a TikTok watermark, right? Hmm. I wonder if they've noticed less uploads or something. I don't know. It would be really interesting to try and work out why, you know, they're doing that. Because you think they'd want to keep watermark from a kind of brand and uh, um, keeping people in platform point of view. I think you're probably yeah. right, to be honest, Becca. I think mm-hmm. like that's because that's something I saw recently. A real world example. I was sat next to my flatmate and he was scrolling and this sounds mental, but I could almost tell that he was on TikTok by the nature of how quickly the videos were changing. And I wasn't looking at his phone. Mm-hmm. And historically, he's always said, oh, I, I can't download TikTok. And I asked him what he was on. He was on Instagram Reels. And mm-hmm. all I just watched him for a bit and all of them were TikTok. So I think you're right. I think Instagram have either there's a bit of a peace offering potentially going on in terms of you know, that statement of deprioritizing content is probably actually going to be negative for Instagram. Mm. So, you know, it could be that. I know it's speculative and a bit curious, mm. but yeah. If you can, look, Alfie, if you can't be speculative on a masterclass, where can you be speculative? Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? mm-hmm. Just throw it out there. I know it is not like this is recorded and lives on the internet forever, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the joys. Right. So I've got a few questions that are all like interlinked, but I'm actually going to go to um, some of the the audience's questions on this because I think I had two questions that sort of link into the same area. So Nikhil asked, we're in the process of moving onto TikTok at the moment. However, I am a one-person department and do not have the time to make nearly as many TikToks as I would like to. Do you have any tips to streamline the creative process and help me from spreading myself too thinly? Was one question, which I think is a great question. And then Irma followed up by saying, I'm the same as Nick Hill above. The le- uh, and leading on from his question, uh, I was wondering, is there a way to link slash integrate TikTok with existing platforms? Or do you suggest to keep TikTok content as a standalone? Because I know that one of the questions that we've had uh, and we go on to talk about later is, is potentially around like repurposing content. How do you do that? How do you work? You know, you'll often hear, I was in a pitch last week and we were talking about to the client about working smarter, not harder. We'll mm-hmm. often use that phrase. So I guess tips around that you know if you're a one person outfit in terms of managing the marketing activity you know you want to get on the tiktok so streamlining that process and jess i'm going to come to you first okay so um i guess there's a couple ways you can go about this from kind of a strategic planning side um you could always reach out to user UGC creators um, and try and kind of outsource some of the content um, and even maybe even do a challenge where people can use your product or service um, and you try and get them to create content for you, um, maybe kind of some rewards or anything like that. Um, But from a creative standpoint, I think the best thing to do would be set yourself aside a full day um, and get kind of, let's say, if you're selling products, um, you kind of set up your studio, different lighting, different products, different angles and backdrops and all of that and kind of get a huge variety of clips that you can then use in the future so you don't have to um, film all the time you can just do editing with the footage that you've created there yeah i think that's a really important point is like it's almost that bank of content that you can Mm. use across different platforms as well you know and it might not be that it'll be a like a 
a, a, a one-take piece that you take and therefore use across every platform. It might be snippets. You can cut it down different ways, mm-hmm. you know, repurpose that content. I think it's really, really important. Becca, views on this one? Yeah, I think um, from my point of view, Jess obviously talks about how you can kind of um, streamline and make more content more frequently. I guess from my point of view as well, even if you're not meeting that optimum or best in class frequency, making sure the content you do do is optimized um, and, you know, jumping on trends, jumping on hashtags. I think just an example, I was looking at a um, TikTok account yesterday. Most of the videos got, I think, about 500 to 1,000 views, apart from the one video where they jumped on a trend, which got 25,000 views so I think it's about really thinking if right if I can't meet that kind of optimum posting frequency I need to make sure the stuff that's going out is the best it can possibly be so that kind of stuff make sure you're thinking about those keywords making sure you're thinking about trending audio making sure you're thinking about trending filter all of that to really try and push as much organic and viral reach as you can if you can't get that free well you know you should be doing that if you've got a higher frequency but you know just making sure the content you're producing has got the best chance of getting views that you can give it. Cool. I think it's a re- I think it's a really good point about sort of jumping on those trends and, mm. and and also just because what I would say around sort of Jess's point around filming content and then just because you've got a bank of content, don't feel you need to stick with that bank of content and mm. then roll all of that out. Like if you find that actually there is a trend happening, pull things forward. Like don't be scared to adapt, I think is the other key. Like I think that's a really important point because I think people get hell bent on scheduling, but actually if the opportunity is there, would you rather make 25 posts and get a thousand, you know, views every time or would you rather do one post that has the biggest impact and get 25,000 views? I think it's like, you know, I I think for lots of us, that would probably be the way that we'd be looking. Alfie, your view on this? Yeah, I think a mixture of both sort of Jess's point and Becca's point. Um, I think one thing that's always worth considering is content on TikTok's a weird one in terms of frequency because I'd, I'd urge anybody to go on a popular TikTok account like a uh, business account like Duolingo or Old Bay or anybody like that, any football club, um, and just, just try and have a look at the frequency of their posts now um, and what they used to be. So what you'll tend to find is these massive accounts that have done really well on TikTok. I know we use Duolingo so much, but it's such a good example. Their frequency has actually dropped so significantly since that kind of early life cycle, purely mm-hmm. because they don't need to. So what you'll tend to see is that they they post two to three really thoughtful or funny or entertaining posts a week, purely because of their follower base. So that initial kind of surge of really high frequency content and consistent posting it's only a kind of tool and a building block and that almost springboard for that future growth. So I think you kind of got to keep that in mind in order for that period to be as efficient as streamlined as possible. Like um, like Jess said, the kind of leveraging that creator side of TikTok and being able to connect with creators and use that influencer marketing side of things is definitely worth it. Um, and then also, you know, what Becca said, create that bank of content maybe you know slot a bit of time in the week at the end of the week to you know brainstorm some ideas create some content get that bank of content rolling and just start rolling out posts and sort of drip feed them into the account see what works and then 100 percent jump on as many trends as possible whatever you find that relates to your business it's always worth a shot so yeah i think that's kind of my outlook on it you know it's going to be high frequency when you first create your account it's always going to be a bit of a stress getting content out there but all that is doing is it's just a foundation and a building block for the kind of future reach and your account um state cool 
Um, I've had a few thanks come through there, by the way, so that's a, that's a positive. You've answered those questions. <laughs> so that's, that's always a good one. Um, I wanted to move to, to app function now, and, and again, a couple of more questions that came up, which, which actually do link with this area. So I guess I, a couple of quick fire ones. Um, Becca, like, can you share posts that mention you similar to Instagram stories? So, yeah, I think we covered this last time. So you can't do it like Instagram stories, you know, the way that you would, um, I would reshare something from Jess and it would appear on my stories from Jess and from me. You can repost things that will then go into the feed, but you wouldn't see them on your page as such. So you can kind of share stuff, but it won't have any visibility on your profile, essentially. So, yeah, quite a bit different from something like Instagram stories or, you know, that we might be used to. Cool. Um Follow-up question on that that sort of came in, uh, which mm. sort of links to the first question that w- was asked by um, audience members, which is around um, uh, when you mentioned the partnership slash competition of asking people to interact with your product slash service and create content on your behalf. So I think that was sort of more used generated, mm. to generate content through through um, our audiences that may generate content on our behalf. Would that mean that they post on their profile and tag you in, or they send you the video and we post on our account, i.e. do the company do, do you take their post and then you post that out from yourself? Um, Jess, I'm gonna to come to you on this one. Um, so a mixture of both, but they would always post it on their profile first. And I think that's actually quite beneficial because it's also sharing it with their audience who might not know you or follow you yet so you know it's kind of it's extra exposure there um and you can always reach out to that creator and say hey do you mind if we um download this to reshare on our profile um making sure that you credit them and all of that stuff as well so yeah kind of a mixture of the both both but always posting on their own profile first yeah and i guess it's also with you controlling um, the mm-hmm. content as well isn't it in that instance do you know what i mean like you can therefore you can almost cherry pick through and see where somebody's talking about your brand or organization etc so i think that allows that control that a lot of brands will be looking for mm-hmm. definitely okay um how do you add your shop on a tiktok uh, can you link straight to your site becca Right. So, um, so basically, it can work in a few different ways, depending on how you've got your e-commerce set up. Um, but I think first off, what you need to make sure is that you're set as a business account. Um, so, you know, you only get that ability. I think um, there are some kind of other um, requirements there. Like, I think you have to have something like a thousand followers or um, certain. I was that not true anymore. It used to be that you had to have a certain level of followers Um but there are a few other things that you can do as well. So if you're on um, Shopify or some of the other kind of e-commerce platforms, you can integrate that straight into TikTok. And there's actually like a um, Shopify um, TikTok app you can download to kind of integrate that. So super, super easy. Um, but um, And you can kind of connect that through. Um, but it becomes a bit trickier if you are not one of those platforms. So what I'd say is have a Google of what particular platform you're on. And then there's loads of step-by-step guides out there. But I think making sure that you've got your products set up, because it means that also um, influencers can start using them and get commissions. You're kind of getting that higher reach. Um, you've also got things like reviews set up on TikTok shop. TikTok shop. That's <laughs> Wow, that's easy to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So making sure you've got that set up um, because, you know, we know that 
reviews and um, ratings are hugely influential. So making sure you're thinking about all of those kind of usual things that you would be thinking about for e-commerce. Yeah. I'll pick one. Yeah, yeah. Um, am I right? So there's a, the seller sensor, the TikTok shop seller sensor is really good. Um, they've been making a lot of improvements to that as well. So I don't, can I post the link in the chat? Is that allowed or? Yeah, yeah, do it. Just do it. Right. Okay, yeah. so if you just hop onto that, it should um, give you everything you need. So that's sign up for the actual shop itself, um, whether or not you're an individual or corporate. So you've got the shop name, et cetera, and then obviously verification side. Once you're through on that, you can then integrate that with your TikTok account. I believe you can just do it through the seller center. Um, there is also an academy on here as well, which is really good. So it's like a full learning guide um, of people that are high sellers on TikTok shop, individuals, uh, businesses on TikTok shop, there's courses. Um, so you can just run through that um, and look at any kind of tips and tricks. There's stuff on content, stuff on selling through live streams, um, how to add like actual shop links into your own posts as well. So yeah, I think this is something that TikTok have heavily invested in mm. um, for their side. So ultimately they want you to use TikTok shop. So they're going to try and do the most to um, to help you along the way. So if you're looking to um, get involved with TikTok shop, just follow that link and it should have everything you need. Perfect. And what we'll do for anybody listening on Catch Up, we'll circulate that link as well um, around this part of the, 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 in the session description. That'll be a useful way we can do it. It's um, cool. seller.tiktok.com for anybody that might be <laughs> just letting you know. So I feel like tricky. on the radio. It's a tricky URL. Yeah, you did. yeah. So thank you very much. Right. Um, final question around app functionality was around um, shadow banning. Mm. So how do you know if you're shadow banned? Will you get notified or do you see uh, in your activity? I guess, Becca, explain what shadow banning mm. is and what it might mean. And therefore, can you give some overview of um, sort of how will you know if you are shadow banned? Yeah, so um, I guess the easiest way to explain shadow banning is where um, you essentially get your reach cut or your visibility cut from a social platform. And that could be for a reason of uh, you know, a variety of different reasons. A lot of the time it might be because they're considering you being spammy. Um, so I think for a while Instagram were doing it when you use too many hashtags or if you're using certain hashtags or if you use the same hashtags on every post. Um, or it might be if you're talking about certain content, um, you know, they've got community guidelines. So making sure you're reading that. But essentially it is about you're still able to post and your account hasn't been closed or anything but you are essentially getting your um, visibility decreased. So you won't be getting seen, um, you know, in when people search for hashtags or um, in any of the feeds. And it's a really hard one to know whether you have been, um, you know, there isn't anything where you can go into the account that just says, yes, you have been shadow banned. I think the easiest way is if you're noticing a dramatic decrease in your reach, in your views, in your engagements, and um, that's generally a good way to know. And the other way as well is um, searching your content. Um, you know, if sometimes um, you won't appear and that will kind of give you a bit of an indication of, yes, you've kind of been banned or you've been um, deprioritized from that platform. Cool. And I guess what you do about if you have? Mm, um, it can be a few different things. So a lot of the time it will just be for a certain period of time more on that post. So I think it's about changing what you're doing, having a look, are you using any techniques that could be considered spammy? Because that's generally what gets you in trouble. Are you um, using loads of spammy hashtags? Are you a bit of an old SEO practice, but keyword stuffing? Are you writing copy that doesn't really make sense just to get keywords in there? 
Things no, like you take, that. You're taking me back there, Becca. Keywords, nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, things like that that are kind of considered spammy techniques, are you doing that and stop doing that, basically? Yeah. Cool. Right. I'm, I'm going to actually jump into Sam's and audios. I know in my list, I actually uh, had sort of business first personal account, but cover that next. But a couple of questions that came in about, about audio is the way I would summarize this section. So... First one is, is what are our thoughts on using the text-to-speak fun function and the voice effects available? Jess, I'm, I know we talked heavily about this in the last session, but, but again, it'd be good to get your views on this. Yeah, so I think it's kind of um, depends on your preference because one, um, they kind of don't prioritise one over the other um, in terms of the algorithm, but... Um, for text to speech, I think it's it's really good, especially if you only have one person that could do voiceovers. So you can use text to speech to kind of um, make it seem like there's a bit more variety because um, there's lots of different voices. I think the um, voice effects, I think they're really good for um, kind of comedic value. <laughs> um, so I know there's like a shaky, wobbly kind of effect that a lot of people do when they're telling funny stories. So I think, you know, that that's a nice little effect. Um, however, when it comes to doing voiceovers, I think they're good if you want your content to be a bit quicker and snappier and to get more words in for um, in a shorter amount of time because you can often speak a lot faster than the text-to-speech function can. Um, and also, it's worth noting that the text-to-speech, I think that they're all American, maybe. Mm, yeah. So, you know, if you're kind of like um, a British business and um, you kind of, you know, only targeting people in a particular area, um, it could be good to use, like, voices with the accent, uh, regional accents, things like that. So, yeah, down to preference, really. <laughs> but, yeah. A uh, question that's came in is... is uh, um, I've noticed there seems to be more restrictions to businesses using licensed audio lately. Is this likely to affect the views, et cetera, only being able to use the unlicensed music? I'm finding it more difficult to make fun, exciting videos without recognisable music. Um, so, yes, there are restrictions on using unlicensed audio, um, but they're there to kind of protect you and your brand against copyright infringements. Um, especially if you're a bigger brand with kind of larger competitors, um, you really want to make sure that everything you're posting is, um, is you know, kind of available for you to use. It's copyright. But, um, yeah, no, it's it can be frustrating that you can't use certain trending audios. However, if you go onto the TikTok Sound Studio online, it will show you which trending licensed audios are out there so you can kind of pick from those trending ones yeah no i think it's a i think that's a really really good tip and trick because i think like as a brand i think it's totally different if you're an individual but as a brand mm -hmm. like you've got to make sure that you are compliant and i think that like the workaround is sort of engaging with that licensed yet trending still mm -hmm. content and audio that you can then repurpose reuse etc which i think is a really important aspect so 
yeah, good advice on that one. And then is there anything like the TikTok sound studio for Instagram reels? Yes, there is. It's um, called Meta Sound Collection. Um, and they can be used across Facebook or Instagram. It's online. Um, and it kind of has a little bit of an upper hand on the TikTok Sound Studio because you can really? actually, yeah, because you can download them online, whereas you can't do that with the TikTok one. Um, so if you download it online, then you can use whatever editing software you want with mm-hmm. that audio. Um, and something else to note as well is that if you upload a reel onto um instagram and you've used an existing audio on the platform but you've not tagged the audio it'll automatically do that for you as well um so yeah i i quite like the um (laughs) the meta sound studio i love that tiktok will be furious we're doing a tiktok masterclass so we've just picked up meta i mean it doesn't get any more of a kick in the face for them does it so yeah um brilliant um, a final one, which I think is is something that I'm not aware of, but I'll, I'll put it out on the panel, is have you ever experimented with trying to create a viral sound on TikTok that other users then use? If so, did you find this TikTok type of marketing effective? So I'm not aware of any, but I'll put that right out there um, mm. straight out of the gates. But, but others, I'm going to come to you first, Alfie. Personally, I have not. Um I think it's a very interesting point and a really good question, actually, because um, I know we kind of talk about using other people's sounds so much. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, creating, whilst creating viral content at all on TikTok is is, is much easier or generally considered much easier than any other channel. I mm. think you can still bracket it in, you know, creating a viral video is always going to be easier than creating a viral sound because you've got two more well so you've got an extra element that you essentially have to nail in order for that to go viral so personally i've had no experience with it and um, i think it's it's a broad question you know it really depends again on like you know what is it what's the brand what's the reason and what's what are you expecting people to use that sound for i think what i've seen from experience or what i can see from trending audios and sounds that don't include music at all you know they're purely just trending audios themselves is that the application of it is very wide so you know it might you can be you can take it out of context and apply it to different things very easily so it's something that's either just purely comedic value um but can be kind of creatively applied to a brand or a product um or yeah i think that's essentially it comedic value in my opinion you know it's just mm-hmm. got to be funny um that's personal experience um but you know becca and jess i don't know if you've got any other thoughts on that but yeah I think um, from my point of view, I think it's important to go back to thinking about how, like you say, it links back to the brand. If, say, amazing, you created a sound that goes viral, how do people know it's you as a brand? There's no point people using a sound that isn't connected to you. So I think think about the kind of, um, I guess, sonic assets that you've got. Um, You know, if you've got a TV ad, what's the sound? Like, I I was literally thinking there, racking my brain, thinking what TV ads would have gone viral. The best one I can think of is like, you know, Budweiser was up. Like that would have been a perfect sound on TikTok. So what are those kind of unique brand assets that you've got that could be utilized? Because I think outside of that, I think it would be very, very difficult to A, go viral, B, then have it be attributed back to your brand. Um, So think about how people might know it from a wider context as well. Yeah. And just to throw on top of that, sorry, see, I would go lack of control. 
mm. right, would, would also be something that I would think yeah. about is if you you know thinking of it as a brand is is do you want people necessarily using your your audio because I might take it completely out of context and it sort of links back to what Alfie said like and that then may take on a whole other meaning that you don't really want to engage with the brand so I think you've got to be really careful in that yeah. in that space. Um so I actually have experience <laughs> well um and it was kind of before I was in the role I'm in now but um I'd kind of partnered with an agency as a UGC content creator and they had partnered with um, a viral TikTok musician um, to create a campaign for a brand. And it was all about the audio and asking people to um, use their service um, and relate it back to this audio. And it's a tricky one because sometimes you can make a video with a very random audio in like two minutes, post it, it goes viral, everyone's using your audio. Um, But you also run the risk of kind of spending a lot of money on creating a professionally edited audio. Um, And what they'd done is they'd commissioned some influencers to start the trend and use this audio. And then after kind of that, they'd commission some micro influencers, content creators to follow along in the hopes that it would kind of get the audio trending um but when it comes to making your content viral you can't guarantee anything um so yeah it's it's a tricky one um did it work did it work Jess um it didn't go as massive as some of the musicians other content um I think it kind of worked for the campaign overall um but maybe it didn't quite have that viral element mm. to it like not everyone across the world was using it yeah. so it wasn't like yeah, cg5 kind of, huh <laughs> it wasn't like cg5 at the moment no no um i mean it was it was a great campaign and it, you know it was it was good but it just didn't yeah. take off and you can't ever really guarantee that and I guess I guess that's where you start to think about paid trending opportunities and things like that, you know, paid trends. And, you know, like we say, with organic, there is no guarantee of that organic reach or virality that comes with it. And if you're looking for something that's a lot more reliable into paid media, that's the kind of where we can be a lot more predictive about the results we're going to get. Yeah. yeah. Just to, I was going to say on that, the paid side of things, <clears throat> You know, especially TikTok as well, the kind of opportunity you have. I hate going and talking about this because obviously budget budget is a is a massive, massive aspect of this. But you know, TikTok offers trending hashtag challenges that you can yeah. create a partner with TikTok and they will then push it out to influencers. And the the guarantee of virality from that is kind of second to none, you know, because mm. TikTok are dedicated to making sure that it works essentially. So yeah. I think there are outlets. It's almost a pay-to-win situation, I guess you could say. But yeah, yeah, I think I think kind of general consensus on that is is it's going to be hard to do solely organically or with zero budget. Let's say. Yeah, I agree. I think I think like TikTok's little people in with these crazy success stories of people who have gone viral. And I think you've got to remember that like if you try to do that just from purely organic perspective, is like 
everybody's trying to do it. So the success stories that you do see are the very, very tip of the iceberg. It's not to say that that isn't going to work for you. It's not to say that you can't do it. It's just to say that, that is very different from the pay-to-play model, which is obviously sort of where TikTok drives its revenue from as well. So that's an interesting point. I think Rosie, um, uh, one of the one of the listeners today, has also came in with a with a good point. Is around. I did see yesterday an audio that was called "Why Are People Using This Sound?" <laughs> also worth noting to pay attention to the name of the audio or what you choose to name your audio. So I think that's a really good point, really practical tip. Um, I wanted to now switch from audio into business accounts to personal accounts. And Alfie, this is going to be, I'm going to put this pr- primarily all, all on you, to be honest, um, because I know that you answered a, a lot of this when we, we, we previously covered this. So it was like, one would be, how do you switch from a personal to a business account? Yeah. Um, so if you've already created an account and you want to switch to business accounts, um, Profile in the bottom right of the screen, um, and then there is three lines at the top right of the screen, um, and then you just scroll down to settings and privacy, um, manager account, and then you can just switch to a business account there. There'll be a couple of sort of extra bits of detail, like business name, maybe potentially an address as well that you need to register before you can do that. I don't think you do actually have to do an address, sorry. Um, but it's relatively easy, quite simple, and there's no kind of extra cost around that at all. Um, yeah, that's it. Brilliant. So, yeah, so I guess that's a question that always comes up. Is a business account free? I think you've answered that. It's completely free and there's no optional cost. However, like it is required in order to run paid ads, create ads, managers, et cetera. So if you are thinking about running paid advertising, do obviously get make sure you've got a business account because otherwise you won't be able to do that. Do business accounts have access to the same audio options, e.g. popular songs? Yeah, I think we're kind of sort of glossed over that really with um obviously just speaking about the audio side of things the short answer is no um purely from a licensing and, and commercial perspective there's you just can't use um copyrighted sorry i lost the word copyrighted audio um so yeah short answer is no use that tiktok audio library as much as you can um and then flip side of things you know if you want to use trending audios that are obviously trending on organic as well and just make sure it's not got music in it you know there are plenty of audios out there organically that are trending purely because of a comedic value or factor. So, you know, try and get a bit creative, um, apply it out of context to your business and, and see if that works. Perfect. And then I'm going to I'm gonna let you speculate here, Alf, which I know you'll like to do. So yeah. does the algorithm, does the algorithm favour business accounts or personal accounts more? Hmm. Yeah, Ooh, good question. Yeah, here we go. It's speculative. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, no. Um the thing is, like again, like what Jess was saying, you know, the algorithm of TikTok is not necessarily open source. We don't know the full story behind it. Um, is this a point that's raised because some businesses were not doing as well as they thought they would on it and are looking for any outlook? I'm not, I'm not like throwing shade. Speculation there, Alfie. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, I think this is very similar to the shadow ban topic. You know, can you even get shadow ban? Like ultimately, that's something that. I thought happened to me on, on one of my personal well, personal accounts. Um, was it just because my content wasn't great? I don't know. And this is one of those things that you've kind of just got to keep an eye on and, and it's not really something that there's an ultimate answer to. I hate to be that person that says it depends, and I know I say it a lot. But, um, yeah, I can't see why there would be. Um, I think in terms of the benefits from a business account over a personal account, it's tenfold compared to what you get from a, a personal account. The insight you get into um kind of demographics engaging with your ads and you get a little bit of that from um from a personal account but business center access and top performing products 
um, you can start to directly build a relationship with TikTok as well, which is one thing that I know we haven't really spoken about. You know, TikTok are very committed, like I said before, to helping you as a business. They want you on their app. Um, they want you to spend money on their app. They want people to spend money on their app through your business. So they are always going to be committed to helping you. So if you start to grow as a brand, then they will be in contact. You can be in contact with them and you can start to leverage that a lot. So look, ultimately, if you're a business, use a business account. That would be my my kind of final answer to that question. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, just, uh, yeah. I like the fact that you con- cause your content didn't work, your immediate thought was blame the platform. I like that. I like that, Alfie. Good ownership there. <laughs> right, then the, the the final sort of question that I've grouped into others would be like some questions that came in that didn't naturally fit anywhere else. And there's also a couple of questions um, that have been asked live that I want us to get through. So quick ones here. Um, Jess, I'm going to come to you for these. Would you recommend TikTok for a charity? Absolutely. I think TikTok is a great platform for charities. There's loads of in-app functions for um, fundraising options. You can add a link in your bio. I think you can tag them in videos themselves. And people on TikTok love a success story as well. Um, So, you know, if you're a charity that, you know, helps people show what impact you're having and people are just absolutely going to love to see that. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I agree. I, I remember when we got that question, we couldn't answer it live because we were running out of time. But hmm. yeah, that was my view as well. Absolutely do it because I think that I think in charity, it's it, by its very nature can be often quite that there's that personal element and there's that emotive mm-hmm. element. And I think you can use that and draw upon that. And that's the sort of content people never be like to see. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Um, what's your opinion? Done- I was Sorry. Just, just on that charity one, going back to what we were saying about trending and things like that and starting a trend, I think where we have just generally across social scene, it do well is when charities start trends. If you think about Ice Bucket Challenge, I think, um, I can't remember, was there a breast cancer one with the lipstick? Things like that that do get virality tend to be challenges from charities. So that's probably um, an interesting you know, tactic to try. Yeah, just on that as well. Sorry, I know I'm <laughs> interrupting. We're never going to finish doing it. <laughs> I'll, I'll be really it. quick. I don't know if you can see the question at the, at the top, David, but there is one on um, sort of internet trolls and charity and how to kind of avoid that. But just to answer that now, um, a couple of recommendations around that. You know, you've got the option to turn off comments on TikTok, uh, turn off people stitching the video so nobody can interact with the video that way, mm-hmm. but you can still gain traction through likes and views. So just mm-hmm. to answer that top question there, um, you know, there's a lot of um, abilities to be able to toggle comments on and off. People can't download videos if you don't want them to. People can't share it to certain platforms if you don't want them to. Um, so just have a look into your options there, because obviously I understand that that is a topic that, you know, could potentially be harmful for a charity or, you know, mm. any sort of potentially mm. vulnerable business in, in that space. So, yeah, um, turn off comments if you if you don't want that kind of, you know, the, the potential for that. Sorry, I just also... have to answer it. <laughs> Sorry to kind of intervene again but I also think it's worth mentioning that TikTok's algorithm is so very different to things like Facebook you know you kind of you know about the Facebook trolls um, whereas on TikTok it's you know their algorithm is going to push your content to people that it genuinely thinks will like your content Um, so I think you know you're less likely to have arguments from two very different audiences within the comments and um so I think you know it's kind of overall 
a nice place to be. Um, and I think if you're targeting younger audiences on that platform too, um, these days they tend to be um, kind of just quite interested in that social impact side of things and very kind of open to listening to all those stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a really good point. What's your opinion then, Jess, on B2C companies having their employees show their face on the company TikTok? Um, I think it's fine. I think I won't just for I reference, won't... I won't I won't log this in our HR function and you do not this isn't a sign up for you to be involved as the face of our TikTok activity, Jess. So yeah, purely purely from your overview perspective. I think it's fine, um, but try and get some variety in there so it's not just one person. Um, I know that's something that we try to do as much as we can. It can be a little bit difficult um, finding lots of different willing volunteers. Um, But, yeah, I do think if you can get that range of faces to be in your content, it's just going to show a little bit of the personality behind your company um and it's it's kind of a nice thing you know anyone that's going to be doing business with you knows exactly who they're doing business with and what the company are like it's yeah it's just a great way to inject a bit of personality into it cool and then and then two quick questions and, and i'm going to come to um jess your thoughts on this one first just a quick response is thoughts on the tiktok marketplace to find creators versus versus using the agencies I think TikTok marketplace is good. Um, I think Alfie might be able to elaborate on this a little bit more perhaps, but um, I think if you're going for the, maybe the cheaper option, use the marketplace. But when you're reaching out to an agency and you're kind of putting a middleman there, you're doing it because you think that they will be able to give you more value and insight and know who to look for a bit better. So I think, you know, if you kind of, if you're not exactly sure who or what you want, get an agency in, but the creator tool is also really good and there to use easy. Alfie? Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head, to be honest. It's just the case of quality. Um, you know, create a marketplace is brilliant. Uh, I think it's the first we've seen of something like that from an influencer standpoint, being able to kind of, I, I was about to use the term shop for influencers, but that does not sound right. But, you know, <laughs> for influencers that, you know, can uh, work with your brand um, based on the influencers that you will see or the contacts that you'll get from the, the creator marketplace, I think that's solely metric based you know so if an influencer is really big they cost x amount you can connect with them agency side you've probably got a lot more leverage in terms of how granular or exactly who you want to collaborate with um but yeah i think ease of use for tiktok market like the creator marketplace is a, is a bit more higher as well it's, it's a one-stop shop you know you can find your influencer on there you can collaborate with them on there and it's done Whereas, you know, you might have to go through a couple more steps, but it's just ultimately about a bit more work for a, a bit more uh, output, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Right, well, sorry. no, no, thank you. Thank you very much. I think it's been like a really useful session. Thanks to everybody that's asked questions. I've sort of, I always finish with five key takeaways. So I've, I've been scribbling notes. People always ask me, are you actually scribbling? The answer is yes. So you can see that, yeah, it, it scribble away. You wouldn't be able, the challenge now really is to read my own handwriting. So there we go. So. First one I've got is test and learn uh, with your content. Like TikTok does allow you to, to run a split test. 
but look at what metrics you're going to use to evaluate performance. Like that's a really important element. Understand what metrics you're going to uh, be evaluating against as you go through. I think number two would be work smarter, not harder. You know, it's one of those cliche statements. I think everybody wants to work smarter, not harder. But I think when it comes to content production, that's absolutely massive. I think just highlighted sort of, you know, thinking about uh, planning your content and get like media um, catalog, if you like, or 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 or, or a, 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 media um, list if you like and then edit that content and almost be in a position where you can repurpose that content across multiple platforms so not just tiktok specific content but potentially content that you can use in other uh, formats as well and um then there was a quite a bit around that about also consider um applying that to can you outsource that activity potentially can you get your audience to engage with that as a process again think about that as another way to, to be able to scale up your content production activity. Number three was use the apps that are available. You know, we talked about Shopify from an e-com perspective, if you run a Shopify site. So it's it, again, like make sure you use the tools, have a search around because there's some brilliant specific tools that you can use in the TikTok platform. Number four would be audio matters. So make sure you comply with licensing. I think it's a really big one for any brand out there. Like make sure you are compliant um, would be your first step. And then Use the licensed trends um, uh, audios as a way of getting trending audio, I think is a, is a really clever way of doing it that I know, again, Jess and Becca talked about. And then the final one was do sign up for a business account if you're a business. Um, I can't stress that enough. Like, I know that sounds really basic and straightforward, but like the insights that you can get And you can also then run paid advertising, etc. if you choose to do. There's no barriers to do it. There's no uh, cost point to do that. So essentially, why wouldn't you? Um, and I think that's it from us, really, on TikTok is, is give it a go. Um, see how you get on. And, and I'm sure we'll be running further TikTok-based sessions in the future due to the response that we've had for this. But, yeah, thanks uh, for all the panel members for contributing today. And we'll be back again next week talking about another digital marketing topic. So thank you very much, everyone. Have a good day.